0: One of the things that, uh, one of the ways in which Colorado has evolved, it was a pretty red state, and it was a purple state, and I guess it's still purple, but it's pretty blue, uh,
1: and one of the things your voters there did was to, uh, of course, legalize pot. Uh, that did not change the complexion or the color of our state, just for the record. <laughs> didn't, it made it more green, probably. It made it a little more green, but you know, it's a fraction. Our, of you know, our... You're listening
0: to California Nation. I'm your host, Brian Anderson. I traveled to San Francisco last week to meet up with another Democratic presidential candidate, former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper. He's running a more pragmatic campaign than his opponents, calling for a gradual phase-in for a $15 minimum wage and opposing national legalization of marijuana. He qualified for the first two Democratic debates by receiving 1% in at least three polls. He's hoping his political experience and moderate views will set him apart from the rest of the pack. Now, he earned a master's degree in geology, found himself unemployed for two years, and co-founded a Denver brewing company. Not your typical entry into politics. So I spoke with him about his story, as well as what he'd do to address gun violence. Today on the podcast, we're bringing you the full interview. All right, enjoy the show. Five, four, three, two, one. We are not going to have a circus here.
1: We just left pleasure for paradise. paradise. Can you please hug me? (laughs) (laughs) Do not worry, Dutch is not here today. We,
0: We clearly learned our lesson.
1: These are not ordinary times. And this will not be an ordinary election.
0: here with former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper. Governor, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to have you. My pleasure. So let's start out by talking about your pitch to California voters who are hearing your name for the first time. Who are you and why are you running for president?
1: So I'm John Hickenlooper, the former mayor, former governor of Colorado, former mayor of Denver. Uh, And I'm running for president because I think we are in a national crisis of division. And I think we probably haven't been this divided since the, the Civil War. And I look at my, both my time in the, in the private sector, when I started a number of small businesses, but the, the ability to go forward and, you know, be a mayor and be a governor has really allowed, you know, I, I, I've got a continuous record of achievement where I've been able to bring people together, get them to put down their weapons and make progress, achieve progressive goals. And I think that's what this country needs right now. We need people to get stuff done.
0: And one of the more progressive things that have come out of Colorado, I'm sure it's one of the first questions you get, is legalizing marijuana. How have you evolved on the issue and where do you stand right now on it?
1: So I was originally against the legalization because I was worried about teenagers when their brains are still rapidly growing, consuming, you know, high THC marijuana. Uh, But you know, most of our worst fears haven't happened. We haven't seen a, a spike in consumption among teenagers. It's actually come down a little. We uh, don't see a, a dramatic increases in people driving while high, uh, far more accidents result of people on their cell phones, to be blunt. Uh, I think that the old system was a disaster. We sent millions of kids to prison, we made them felons, we made difficult lives impossibly more difficult. And for what real purpose? So I have slowly but surely come around to the point that uh, I don't think we should tell other states. You know, the federal government should tell them what should be legal, what shouldn't be legal.
0: So the states' rights matter. Let the states figure it out.
1: But the federal government should make sure that those states that want to legalize recreational marijuana or legalize medical marijuana can use banks and so charge cards. They should have a banking system. And the federal government should also uh, make sure that the the FDA begins testing on marijuana proper for proper
0: federal oversight, but not the federal government saying all states should.
1: Do this. All states have to do this, just like we did with alcohol. When they repealed the Volstead Act in 1933, they gave states the choice of whether you wanted to legalize alcohol and under what framework of regulation you would do that.
0: And upon just researching you, I found out that you have a master's in geology and you moved to Colorado in the mid 1980s and you found yourself unemployed for a couple years. What do you think that experience taught you? Because right now we're hearing about the future of work and jobs that they might look, look at and how people are displaced. What's your advice to those people and how do you work through that difficult time in your life?
1: Well, I was, you know, I got laid off on uh, July 6th, 1986, and i remember it forever, right after the Fourth of July weekend. <clears throat> and you, you know, there were tens of thousands, I mean, literally, I don't know, 20,000 geologists who lost their jobs in the 1980s and no one was hiring. So I didn't just lose my job, I lost my profession just like millions of people did in the Rust Belt. And government, for me, just like for people in the Rust Belt, did a, a, a piss-poor job of helping us, you know, find our way. They, I got a two-hour seminar on how to write a business or how to write a a, a, a a resume and then a business application to try and get another job as a geologist. No one was hiring. It was, it was a waste of my time when I went to the Department of, you know, the unemployment office. So... I think this time, and we can see with artificial intelligence and, and automation that we're gonna again eliminate professions by the by the boatload in the next 10, 10 or 15 years, we need to start identifying those professions that are gonna get eliminated and begin training the employees with new skills. We're gonna have plenty of jobs, right? Right now we have 7.3 million job openings and only 6.2 million people looking for work. Right? So we so almost unheard of that we have more job openings than people looking for work. We lack the skills. That's why so many of those jobs are unfilled. People don't have the right skills. So
0: is the message to people, your job's not coming back, you need to be retrained?
1: Well, the, the, the job is five years before their, their job disappears, begin training them in alternative skills so they have a choice, right? So if, it, if they begin to think their job's not going to come back, they have an opportunity to, to pick a new profession if they want. Uh, we've got a big partnership with Microsoft, called, and we're creating something called Skillful.com. And who's the we? Uh, the state of Colorado gotcha. uh, and the Markle Foundation in New York. And then and then originally it was LinkedIn, but now Microsoft. But there are also, it's now in 20 other states that are, are working with this to try and figure out what would this tech platform look like so that a kid can accumulate skills their whole life. And at any time they wanted, they could click on a new profession. Uh, they could see what skills they have would be applicable to that profession, what skills they're lacking, right. where they could get those skills, what it would cost. Give individual kids of all ages, the freedom to, to, to go into new professions if they need to, if they want to.
0: And I got to ask another staple of Colorado for the worst has been <clears throat> gun violence. You've seen Aurora, uh, several other just shootings, but the broader issue is people dying with firearms, not these semi-automatic weapons. What can be done to address the underlying causes of gun violence and the underlying issues?
1: Sure. Well, like many of the significant challenges, it's not just one thing. And Colorado is the only purple state that I'm aware of that we got universal background checks passed. Uh, we think that has a material effect on keeping guns out of the hands of dangerous people.
0: And in a divided legislature, too.
1: Yeah, it was a battle. Uh, and then we also had, uh, we also were able to, um, and this is, is tricky, but we've reached out to uh, the guns, uh, gun stores that sell guns, uh, target ranges, shooting ranges, and really started a, a public-private partnership to make uh, the entire uh, gun owners' community aware of how important it is to keep your guns and your ammunition under lock and key. Because and if you have a teenager who ex- exhibits any kind of depression, you got to make sure that they don't have access to those guns.
0: So what federal mandates do you think the government should impose on the states regarding this issue of gun violence?
1: Well, unfortunately, there's not, again, the way our... U.S. Constitu- Constitution is structured. Uh, it's not that easy for us to uh, be able to you know, impose the federal will on states. But I do believe that we could go like we did in Colorado. We went and, and we were getting to we, – we did background checks on about half the gun purchases, like most states, until you pass your own state legislation to create universal background checks. You only cover about half the gun purchases – but in Colorado, just five and a half million people, we had 38 people convicted of homicide who tried to buy a gun and we stopped them. When you tell people that kind of simple fact, uh, in, in you know, California it would probably be closer to 250, Until, you, but California obviously is going, has universal background checks as well. Those kinds of answers I think will sway any Republican legislator in almost any state. And I think we'll get to universal backgrounds per- Background checks pretty quickly.
0: And I just had a couple more. We're here in San Francisco. California is a very progressive state. What is someone who's born in, in Pennsylvania, who's a 67-year-old white man, what's the appeal to these progressive voters here in California who might see you as sort of a a purple state traditional person?
1: Well, I'm traditional, except that we're the we have reduced our climate change emissions by you know, arguably more than any other state on a per capita basis. We are the only state that got the environmental community and the oil and gas industry to sit down together and create methane regulations. It's the equivalent of, of removing 320,000 cars a year from the roads and, and paid for by the oil and gas industry. Uh, we, we're closing two coal-fired electrical plants and replacing them with wind, solar, and batteries. No one's done this stuff before. I think what's moderate about that, that's progressive, Uh you know, in Denver, when I was mayor, we were one of the very first cities, this is 10 years before Ferguson, to, to completely overhaul our, our, our police misconduct system. We have an Office of the Independent Monitor we created, a Civilian Oversight Commission to make sure neighborhoods can control how they're policed. We changed those kinds of things long before it became part of the political mainstream. And I think... I think people in California and across the country are going to respond to that.
0: And not asking you, and not asking you to criticize other candidates, but what do you think is the differentiating factor with you? What is your unique appeal?
1: You know, we are in a national crisis of division. We really are, and we're unable to come together and address things like, like healthcare and controlling the cost of healthcare as well as making sure everyone gets covered. We, uh, issues around climate change. Issues around. Uh, automation and artificial, all the stuff we've been talking about, we've got to be able to address those. I've got the track record of bringing people together and, and getting them to lay down their weapons and actually get stuff done. And I think that is the, you know, that is the dramatic difference between me and pretty much everybody else is I'm a doer. I've gotten stuff done and I've gotten people that don't like each other to come together and, and uh, create achievements. I
0: got to ask the last one lightning question. Who's, is your vice president have to be a woman, or do you think you can reach across the aisle to a John Kasich?
1: Oh, I think that in this election to motivate the, demor, uh, the Democrats, you really have to ha- have a Democrat as your vice president. I think it's you know it's hard to imagine not having a woman candidate, or a vice president. So I yes, I think I would choose a woman. Governor, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of California Nation. I'll be back in your feed next week with another candidate conversation. If you liked what you heard, make sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people like you find our show. And tell a friend about us. Word of mouth also helps. For all the latest in California politics, as well as the 2020 presidential campaign, you can follow me on Twitter at Brian R. Anderson. That's B-R-Y-A-N-R-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. Until next time, I'm Brian Anderson. This is California Nation.